Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm hoping you had a great weekend, and I'm glad we're back together again today. It's going to be a great uh, day. Patrick's going to join me in just a couple of minutes, and then Pastor David Miles is going to be coming in. We're going to be talking about loving your enemies and being uh, concerned about some false teachers and false teaching. And then in the second hour, Dr. Mark Muska will be with me for the whole hour, which means that's Ask the Professor. So get your questions ready right now. Maybe you want to send them to me at 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. We'll also have Ryan in the phone room today, and he'll be taking calls if you want to call and speak to Mark yourself. That's all in hour two. But for now, let's take 60 seconds and find out what's going on in the great state of Iowa, the prestigious town of West Des Moines, and my friend and colleague, Patrick Albanese. At Faith Radio, we believe in the power of prayer. We have a way you can submit your prayer requests and have others pray for you. Just go to MyFaithRadio.com and click on the link that says Prayer Works. You'll see a button that says Add a Prayer. Click that and then submit your request. You can also pray for other requests listed and then click I Prayed. Experience how prayer changes things through Prayer Works at MyFaithRadio.com. God is waiting to give you wisdom. You just have to ask. So you say, God, I need wisdom. And I pray and I ask. Then I read the Bible. I read this book. And then I wait. And at the right time, maybe not immediately, at the right time, God will put that idea in my mind. And he'll go, wow, that's an inspiration. That's what I need to do. Fuel for a deep and active faith. Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. You ready, Patrick? I'm ready. We'll include that in the opening. Welcome back to the show. It is Monday. We are off to a great start, as we always do. I love Mondays. And I always enjoy chatting with my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick J. Albanese. Patrick, welcome. Oh, thanks. I'm feeling a little bit weird. I don't know if you've had this, but it's been, what, about a week now without an Illinois governor in prison. It's just odd. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you feeling a little bit weird? Like something's not right with the world? Something's not right. You're a Chicago person, so I can see how this is more personal for you. It is. I just, I think, you know, I, 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 I believe it's nice the way they've balanced it, where they try to only keep one in at a time. But uh, <laughs> I've just never seen a vacancy. I don't think we've had a vacancy for about 15 years. So it's That's true. That's very strange. Well, yeah. I know you had a busy weekend, and part of it was you were one of the judges at the chili cook-off at your church. Yes. Uh, it, went, it really went well. They they wanted a celebrity judge, and then they called me, <laughs> uh, and uh, they said, you know, would you like to do this? I said, sure, but, uh, you know, if, if it's spicy food, it gives me the hiccups. 
So uh, that was kind of my rating system. If uh, I ate somebody's chili and I started getting almost dry heave hiccups, yeah, not kidding around. It's I get that. Uh, that baby's a winner. Nice. There were thirty three entrants of uh, wow. chili, and 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 a few of them, uh, you'd say this is not chili. I don't even know what it is. This <laughs> is leftovers, is what this is. But there were a couple of people. One guy put brisket in there. And, oh, wow. Uh, I bet that was good. Oh, yes. And pulled pork in another one. Oh, and yeah. You suddenly, it's, it, it was a great church event. It was for the, you know, for the men's group. A few hundred guys showed up. Uh, and then they held breakout sessions with, you know, various topics, um, you know, on things guys might be interested in, like how to make chili, you know, <laughs> things like that. They had one called Man versus Canoe. I knew that wasn't for me. Yeah. But uh, it was uh, really well run. And, you know, that's the week before I was at the daddy daughter dance. And I just I really love what our church is doing to it's it seems like always have something to to come to yourself uh, and have fellowship with uh, other like minded individuals like the men's group or uh, just something for the family. And you really realize that this was lacking a lot when I was a kid. Uh, they didn't have as many events. And I think somebody's really figured out that, you know, part of this community of church is let's have things for people to go to and be with like-minded individuals and it'll be fun. And, uh, we'll, we'll share, um, you know, whatever the event is, we'll share some chili and we'll share some gospel and, uh, you're going to go home and feel like all is right with the world. Oh, I love that. I love that. What a great weekend. And did you, did you try all 33 chilies? I made it to 12. Okay. <laughs> uh, they, they, had, All right. uh, they had tasked me with 10, so they had uh, nine celebrity judges. Never heard of the other eight guys. Of course not. Yeah, uh, but um, the, the way they had it divvied up, they said, there's just, you know, to ask you to taste 33 chilies is asking for trouble. So they had done some sort of mathematical formula, which is very similar to the Democrats' superdelegate system. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nobody I've done, understands. I've it's, done it's long car rides with you. I would say more than three chilies is dangerous. More than three chilies is yeah. I, I got to the point where I was uh, putting it in these little two ounce serving cups. Yeah. Uh, as I said, well, you know, first off, because you didn't know right off the bat whether you'd be tasting something that was spectacular or not so good. Mm-hmm. And I, to this day, I still, I always feel guilty throwing any food away. This has been, you know, ingrained in me since I was a kid. It's, you just don't throw any food away and you suffer through it, you know. <laughs> but I have learned that if you just take a smaller portion, uh, and then, you know, about, I would say about halfway through the evening, it got pretty easy to see which one were the good chilies. Yeah. You know, there's not much left in that bowl. Better get over to that. Get get to that crock pot right there. That one that's full, don't go near it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Well, you're a good man to do uh, to be a judge in the chili cook-off at your church. So I, I was I th- fun. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it was fun. It was just it was it was. Uh, I thought you know my my typical reaction to things is oh do I want to do this, and so I've learned a lot of times in life you say yes before you can think of saying no, and you don't regret it. Mm-hmm. So, it um, was fun. Well, I have to say I have I'm very grateful for my identity in Christ, and I'm I think about that every day because it's not what I feel or what I think. It's about what I know about God and what God says about me. 
because I had an identity moment today, which I will share with you, and I will certainly invite the listeners to listen in as well. I go because I have to get my new driver's license, and they now require it for it to be an enhanced driver's license, which is in the state of Minnesota, it gives you the, uh, the ability to go on an airplane and make sure you've jumped through all the hoops. And they ask you for your social security card and like a W-2 or a tax return or a passport. And so I, I took in all these documents. They don't even ask for you to sign an organ donor card. They ask you to bring an organ, they bring, they? Yeah, bring an organ. Bring and an organ. Have, have one available to give. Right. Um, yes. So I, I go in there and I've got all my documents in a folder. And they, they, the first one they want to see is the Social Security card, which can you believe I have? Well, now, everybody gets one at, at birth these days. So the people in our age group, uh, you had to apply for one way back. I mean, you had to order it. You, you didn't get it right, at birth. Right. So if you've got one from when you were a kid, I would know why you do, actually, because mm-hmm. I have got one as, uh, as a 12-year-old uh, because that's what my mother needed because my father was sick. Yeah. yeah. And there was some uh, government assistance I got as a child, too, because my father died. Okay, but to move on, I produce this relic, this piece of paper, which is my Smithsonian grade Social Security card. And I hand it to her almost like with, you know, gloves on. Filled out with a quill pen. Right. (laughs) On papyrus. And she looks at it and says, where's the rest of it? And I went... Uh, excuse me, this is my social security card. Now, at this point, I can feel my blood pressure going up because I already know that this document, this little card, is going to disqualify me from getting my enhanced driver's license. And I've already waited in line for an hour. Oh, my goodness. When I was in California, they had enhanced driver's license, but that was hair and makeup. (laughs) <laughs> Great headshots. Yeah, it was <laughs> used it as my headshot for a couple of years. <laughs> so every recent headshot, here's my driver's license. Nice picture. Yeah. So I have so. my passport. I have my passport card, which is a laminated card, looks just like a driver's license, which uh, substitutes for uh, getting into Canada and Mexico. All right. I've okay. got my tax return. I've got a W two. I've got documents from the state of Minnesota on my property tax. Wow. And I have basically, you know, an old note from home saying this is my son whom I love with whom I'm well pleased. So I feel like I got all my bases covered. And they looked at me and said, nope, we can't do it. You might not be who you say you are. Exactly. It wasn't enough documentation to verify me. And that's when I thought of uh, Matthew chapter 7 where Jesus says, I never knew you. Yeah, but fortunately, he was not working at the DMV. <laughs> oh, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. But you build your identity, um, and you think, well, I've got all my documentation here to prove that I am who I am saying I am with pictures, with legal documents supplied by the government, and they still say it's not enough. So you I can't every prove I'm me. Yeah. So I was having that moment of, of I'm so glad that I know my identity in Christ because I belong there and he knows me and calls me by name. Yeah, you know what's great is uh, you don't need uh, any kind of enhanced ID uh, when you're meeting Jesus. You know, he's kind of like, I know who you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's all right. Now put the paperwork away. I know who you are. Yeah. 
Beautiful. Yeah, your name's written down over here. You see this little book I got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's written down. And once it's written down, you know, he's one of those memory experts, actually. He can, you know, if your name was Mr. Bird, he would, of course, envision you as a giant bird and say, that's <laughs> the guy. <laughs> but there's such a great comfort in knowing where my true identity is and the fact that I'm now having to go through this procedure again somehow. But it's uh, it was kind of one of those moments where you left feeling so frustrated. Like, come on. I proved who I am. And you say it's not enough. It's not enough. And, of course, if you were to say to the person, I'd like to know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> right. Who's but, questioning me, they'd say, you know, I said, you cannot. You don't yeah. get to know who I am. But then in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. You don't want that at the end of your life. No, and, and I, I think it's, to me, that's uh, God's way of saying, I know when you're faking it. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you you know it's uh, I, I've 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 laid out you know, how this works, and you can't just pay lip service to things. You can't just uh, uh, you know it, it's always interesting. You know, we sometimes talk about things like forgiveness, and we always want forgiveness and grace from God. And then you'll often hear about people in situations, and they're saying, "I will never forgive my sister." It's like you see you see how this works, and this is going to be the hard part of it is what you are asking of God, you must offer to others. And that's the hard part. Uh, you don't get to hold on to your old hard heart while hoping that God will show you mm. grace. So he is, he's wanting you to soften that heart of yours. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be tough sometimes because there are going to be some things, legit things we say, I, it's going to be hard to forgive that. Right. We have to re re remember that he is forgiving us, but we've also been the offender ourselves with other people, and we have to show compassion. Mm-hmm. All right, That's let me take... So it is a tough one. Let me take a break. Patrick Albany is my guest. Happy Monday. We're so glad you're with me. And Patrick, today we'll take a short break and be right back. get things started to find out what's going on over the weekend and uh, i have something for you for the listener oh good actually. what is it well because this is but now that bernie is doing so well in all these primaries people are saying okay you know that he's he says he's not a socialist he's a democrat socialist what's the difference right and it took a while uh but i think i have a description that will help people understand the difference between socialism and democratic socialism now socialism is where you will you will stand in a bread line but with democratic socialism, the breadline is gluten-free. So that, <laughs> I think, I think is the difference, you know, that might help the, the listener. Mm -hmm. You're you know, welcome, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, when we were talking uh, right before the break, and w I just enjoyed the conversation uh, about rules and regulations. And you and I have both been bugged from time to time about uh, rules where w the common sense is not prevailing um, mm -hmm. And I, I love, I love your story about our friend Craig. 
Uh, see, now that I've laughed ahead of time, people will assume this is a funny story. Well, it's funny because we love Craig. Yes, and it is a funny story. Um, and, and, you know, people follow rules and regulations, and I, I guess that's necessary for an ordered society. But um, uh, my my friend Craig, whom, whom I've known for, uh, well, it's 45 years anyway, which is amazing considering I'm only 42 years old. Mm-hmm. But uh, he wears an eye patch because he has a, a glass eye from uh, an incident in his childhood. And uh, I remember one day, we, we used to be roommates when I lived in California, and he went to get his driver's license renewed. And uh, he wears the eye patch. So you, you kind of know, you know, when he's walking up that, well, that guy's got probably just one good eye. Uh, unless he's, you know, wearing it for stylish purposes. But he goes to the DMV and they get the license renewed and they say, well, we got to do the eye test. He's like, okay. And they hand him the spoon, you know, and the, the, the woman behind the counter says, okay, cover your eye. And he says, okay. And he takes the spoon and he puts it over the eye patch and then he reads the chart. And then she says, all right, now cover the other eye. He says, pardon me? She says, the other eye, we have to test the other eye. She says, the one with the patch? <laughs> she says, yes. So he covers the other eye. She says, read the chart. And he says, I can't. I am now blind. <laughs> and she says, well, you can't have a license. He says, no, no, I brought a license in. And if you look at the picture in the license, I am wearing an eye patch in the photo. <laughs> it also talks about restrictions. But uh, yeah, I can get a license. She says, nope, you can't because you're blind. In the other eye, he's like, yes, there, there's actually not an eye there. <laughs> I am, in fact, blind in an eye, but uh, rest assured, I can have a license. And they had to go a couple layers up in supervisors to get the okay. Uh, and, of course, they can't just let it go and say, our mistake, we're really sorry, sir. But it's almost like, all right, here's your license, but watch your back, buddy. Watch your back. <laughs> <laughs> Don't cross us. Yeah. Well, and then you, know, you're, you were just following the rules. I know. And then your poor brother-in-law, too, trying to get oh, a, a, another vehicle plate coming in from another state. So he moves from Georgia. He was handicapped. He was in a scooter uh, via muscular dystrophy and uh, had a handicapped license plates from Georgia where he used to live. He decided to retire early. Uh, because the, the workload was getting to be too much with the progression of the disease. And, you know, finds this beautiful Folly Beach in South Carolina, moves there and waits all day at the, the DMV and uh, says, here are my old handicap plates from Georgia. And I'd like to swap them out for plates here in South Carolina because I want to be a law-abiding citizen and do this legitimately. And she says, well, this is no good. Um, you know, how do I know you're handicapped? And he says, I... I'm I'm sitting in this here scooter. I got my old handicap plates, and uh, I have muscular dystrophy. She says, "Well, I'll need I'll need a doctor's note. I'll need proof." So uh, unfortunately, that one did not go up the supervisory chain. He actually did have to get a doctor's note hmm. to get the license plates because evidently this is something people do: is they rent a scooter, pretend to be uh, disabled, so they can get a front parking spot. I have no idea if that really happens, but again, it was somebody who said, these are the rules and I cannot budge on the rules. Mm -hmm. Um, And he'd been on a a scooter for 15 years, hadn't he? 
yeah, about that long. Yeah. You know, um, it, it was a, a progressive disease. So uh, when I first met him, he was still walking. It was, you know, somewhat laborious. But yeah, probably yeah, 12 to 15 years he had been uh, confined to the scooter. So he had a history of, he had, you know, uh, Kansas plates, Iowa plates, and Georgia plates from various places he lived through his collegiate career that uh, were handicapped. There was a paper trail. Uh, but it wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, people sometimes complain about the Bible being, they say, gosh, it just feels like they're going to restrict. They have just so many rules. I go, well, you haven't been to the DMV then. <laughs> yeah. It's a it's a little uh, sample of what it's like when the government is running something. Yes. Yes. And it's understandable that, you know, you, you have to worry about, you know, somebody trying to cheat the system. Right. But I'm, I'm um, okay with that. I'm okay with that. But it does make you wonder, you know, when they're the ultimate say-so, if they're running so many things. And, of course, I saw a speech by Bernie the other day, and it's, you know, everything is free. And, and I just not in the world I ever grew up in is everything free. So there's a cost, and if the government's running it, then there's going to be somebody I have to appeal to at a government job that will decide yes or no. Because the answer is not always just yes. I mean, you don't just automatically get stuff. Uh, you know, you can't just go apply for unemployment. You have to show that you do not have a job. And as I understand, unless the rules have changed, you had to have been maybe let go from that job due to a, a downsizing or something like that. You can't just quit and collect free money. Mm-hmm. Now, Patrick, I'm more of a hockey uh, fan than you are, but over the weekend on Saturday night, there was something so incredibly delightful that, and it's such a feel-good story. Do you know that um, that every uh, National Hockey League game has an emergency goalie in the stands in the unlikely event that a team loses both goalies in one game? Did you know that? I do know that. Okay. Is this the story about the guy who's like, well, okay, well, I was, earlier today I was replacing windshields. I guess I better go out and goaltend. Well, he's uh, occasionally a a Zamboni driver, and he's oftentimes a practice goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it just so happened that that night, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, both goalies got injured, and he had to come out of the stands, put on a Carolina Hurricanes uniform, and now he was the goaltender against the team that he practice goalies with. And he beat oh, them. Got away. He, that's, it's fantastic. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you, since you are into doing some sports trivia, uh, I think I have something that's a little bit better than you. All right. Uh, than yours. Yours is a great story. It's uplifting. Mine, however, is just how far society has fallen. But the Milwaukee Brewers groundskeepers that used to come out and, you know, rake the, 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 the sand, the dirt mm-hmm. on the used to go out there in lederhosen, and they don't do that anymore. That's that's how far, you look it up in the early 70s, the Milwaukee Brewers groundskeepers used to come out in lederhosen. I will have to that's check on that. Yeah, Can we've we we've drifted quite a ways. Patrick, yep. as always, thanks for doing the show. Nice to hear your voice on Mondays, and I will catch up with you next week. Great. Talk to you soon. You bet. Patrick Albanese, my guest and colleague from the great state of Iowa. We'll take a little break, and when we come back, Pastor David Miles with us in studio. On Faith Radio.
right, it is now the mid-afternoon mix with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. Keep that piano music going, I kind of like that. The mid-afternoon mix. I've got uh, Pastor David Miles here. Come a regular on Mondays, enjoy that. He's with the uh, University of Northwestern, adjunct professor here, and he's also a life groups and leader uh, development pastor at uh, New Hope Church in Minnesota. David, New welcome back. Hope. New Hope. Welcome. Welcome, Hi, welcome. Bill. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, David. How's it going? It's going well. What a beautiful day outside. I oh, I'm it. so excited to see the sunshine. You don't realize how much you miss it until you don't have it for months. You know, my wife, Tammy, was saying this morning, she said, I can tell that we're getting closer to spring because when the kids go down to the bus stop, it seems like it's a little lighter when they're out there early in the morning. And they only have to wear three layers at a time. Yes. And sometimes you have to remind them, put a jacket on. Exactly. My daughter told me the other day, said, Dad, you don't get sick by not wearing a jacket. I said, yeah, but a jacket helps. (laughs) I said, no, you get cold and then you kind of get runny nose and then you wipe the snot off your hand onto a doorknob that I grab and then I get sick. So put a jacket on. (laughs) That's what I learned in medical school. (laughs) (laughs) All right, David, I heard you had a, you heard a great sermon on Sunday. Oh my goodness. Let's hear about it. It was uh, phenomenal, Doctor. Love it, Doctor Matthew St. John at New Hope Church, our senior pastor, had did just an incredible, probably one of the best messages that I've heard on Matthew chapter five, verses forty-three to forty-eight on uh, forgiving and loving your enemies. It's a pretty strong endorsement. Do say more. It was. It was. Uh, it was really, really good. And one of the things that he just jumped in, you know, actually. We actually should have just had Matthew come because we've had him on the show before. You have, oh yeah. We yeah. should have, you know, we should have had him come because he could do it but, probably better. But it, no, no, no. But this is the mid-afternoon mix with okay, Miles, um, Arnold, and Maxwell. But um, one of the things that he <laughs> talked about was one of the things that that uh, you know grammarians love, like when looking at the, the language, which is the imperfect tense, which repeats itself. And he opened this time. I'm just jumping right into Luke chapter 23, where Jesus is on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them. It says, and he said, and that said as an imperfect, so he repeatedly, Matthew was making the point that he repeatedly kept saying, Father, forgive them, Father, forgive them, Father, forgive them, and and the thoughts of when he was being whipped, Father, forgive them, you know, when he was backing up, you know, being betrayed, even as Judas took the morsel and left, Father, forgive them. And just that mindset, because sometimes we're in the moment, like we're immediately in a moment, we're trying to think, how do I forgive this person, like just in this this moment, and it, the moment seems like galaxy size. But in that evening, in, in John chapter 13, when he's in the upper room, and then going through that time, and through the high priestly prayer, and then going to Gethsemane, he's constantly, Pastor Matthew was saying, saying, Father, forgive them for the various things that they were doing. And, um, you know... One thing that's hard for us is sometimes going into something not knowing exactly what it's going to be like, like what does it entail? And Jesus knew exactly, you know, what this entailed that he was about to go into. And uh, and then he's still saying, Father, forgive them. So just the idea that it wasn't a one time. And um, just, again, going back to the upper room in John 13, just how Jesus had loved his disciples to the end. You know, that he just went all the way. He didn't kind of half-step it. He just kind of continued all the way through. Mm. And then, um, you know, he, he, I, I liked, he said as he was opening up and praying in the second, uh, in the third service, just how, you know, 
you know, God's going to be meddling with us. And that's a good thing, you know. Um, it's a good thing for God to lovingly address us because even as parents, you know, having that conversation with our kids sometimes is saying, look, I love you enough to have this conversation to, for it to not always be cookies and cotton candy. Um, you know, you need some meat, you need some, some vegetables in your life. But even just how this message, um, this passage um, deals with this. And he noted that Matthew five forty three through 48 was like the central verses of the Sermon on the Mount. And he opens up and he says, he asks a question, is there anybody right now that you hate? That seems like a dangerous question. <laughs> we might incriminate ourselves. Right. All right. I just got back from the break room. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> Bill was here all along. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, Bill, this is a good one. You're going to want to hear this. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it it doesn't, like, just stop there. Um, just a wonderful, masterful. Because normally times when we think about loving and hating people, um, we go on to think that it's those in our immediate spheres of influence, like the people right next to us. And um, he said, not only are we inclined to think that, but even in the ancient time, people were inclined to think of that as well. And he, he did a wonderful job of taking us back to Leviticus chapter 19 and just reading through, you know, verses nine through 18 and and listen to this. I mean, like, listen to these, listen to the word of God in light of it being God's authoritative word, but also the times that we live in. And uh, he had read, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your fields right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And if something peaks in your mind, think Ruth and Boaz's field, who had become you know, the lineage of King David of which the Savior would come through. So no small thing. And you shall not strip your vineyard vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the surgeon. And we talked about this before, that surgeon, the, the Hebrew word ger, is immigrant. It's, it's alien. And to leave that for the immigrant, I am the Lord your God. And he's, he's using Yahweh. And he says this, you shall not steal you shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. You shall not do, you should do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness you shall judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then Matthew skipped ahead to, uh, to 30, um, 33. When a stranger or when the immigrant surjoins with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the immigrant who surjoins with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord 
your God. And so he, he unpacks that, and he, he noted so masterfully how in verse 18, uh, the religious leaders of that time would note that when they said, you should not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, that they took that meaning, sons of your own people, great, my people, my neighbors, just the people around me. That's who who counts. Mm -hmm. And so how since that time and even up in our day, we can begin to think that when when it's loving neighbor, you're thinking the neighbor in your cul-de-sac, you know, the neighbor that's around you, your coworker like neighbor. And that that's what the people thought when they said you show not bear a grudge against the sons of your own people. So people were like, oh, no, this is good. And and Matthew goes on to to note unpacking this regarding the Samaritans, because the Samaritans were hated. And they weren't, remember the, the, the teacher of the law says, you know, who then is my neighbor? So the thought would be that, well, those people aren't my neighbors. Um, but he brought us back so clearly because in verse 30, um, 33 of Leviticus 19, when an immigrant surjoins with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the immigrant who surjoins with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. And so the idea is that they're all your neighbors. And that, that we, we don't get to pick and choose. And, and he rightfully said to our congregation, to us, he goes, this is a hard word. You know, th- this is not an easy, easy thing. I mean, like, this is not just kind of like, you know, um, I love... Um, Pastor Kyle Davidson once said, you know, that some would have the mindset, um, us four, no more, close the door, <laughs> that people would have such a holy huddle. And Jesus is saying, no, that, that's, that's not the case. Or, or for the people hearing Jesus talking about um, loving neighbor, loving enemy uh, in Matthew 5, uh, that the neighbor was broader than we often think of what it is. So in Matthew um, 5, 43, Jesus is, is pointing out the false teaching. And I think some people assume that this is coming from the Old Testament. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But that's not the case. Because of what you just read, David, in Leviticus, God never says to hate your enemy. Right. Right. And so that's consistent across both Old and New Testament. Christ isn't saying out with the old, in with my way. He's saying this is always the law of God. Well, the, the title of the series um, is Raise the Bar. You know, that's, that's what um, the title of the preaching series that we're in right now. And, and going to the point of saying, um, you know, you heard that you shouldn't commit murder. Oh, but if you hate a brother, that's murder. You know, you should, you've heard it say that you shouldn't commit adultery. But if you lust against a woman, you've already committed adultery. And then you've heard it say uh, an eye for an eye but not to resist. You've heard it say that you shall not swear falsely, but don't take any oath because none of it belongs to us. Psalm 24, 1 is still true. The earth is the Lord's, you know, not Miles, Arnold, and Maxwell by any stretch of the mat, but the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And so when it comes to this saying, you have heard it say that you, you shall love your neighbor and people are saying, it's cool to hate your enemies. I, I think even when we look at I can't remember if it's, I think it's Luke 9, not John 9, um, when they're going to the Samaritan village 
and they don't welcome in, welcome them in. And what does the Apostle John say? Father, shall, said, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven and do shock and awe? Should we just wipe them out? Because these guys, they're our enemies. So it's, it's fine to hate them. And, and the Lord's like, no. And so this is really raising the bar. And, and it's also noting how it's the religious leaders who are actually telling the people, no, that's cool. That's cool that you hate, hate other people. You know, that's all right. They're your enemies. So they're kind of the, the exception to the rule. Well, I'm looking at Proverbs 13. It says, a righteous man hates falsehood, but a wicked man acts disgustingly and shamefully. So when we're feeling that we're seeing falsehood and a wicked man act, acting disgustingly and shamefully, what should be our attitude towards that person? Well, that's an excellent question. Because I think our first instinct is to judge right from wrong, and that's kind of what God's law helps us do, mm-hmm. is to say it is. there's definitely a difference between the things that are pleasing to God, the things that are life-giving, and the things that are sin, the things that are far away from God. We, we should be able to tell the difference between someone who is walking in at least in some semblance, according to God's way, and the people who are displaying by their actions a contempt for God. And it's okay, I think, in fact, I think it's necessary to define that difference and to judge, okay, this is the right, this is the wrong. But how do you treat people that are acting clearly in those two ways? Can we treat them differently? Well, think through when we come to Philippians 4, 8 through 9. And uh, it says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Uh, What you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And so at, at times, company you keep does matter, how it influences you. So 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three isn't a miss when it says, don't be deceived, bad company corrupts good morals. So, so having in mind what you're thinking about, because it's really clear, whatever is true, he then says, of all these wonderful things, he says, think about these things. Think with your mind. That's where, where things start. So when we are prejudiced against people, we are prejudging in our mind. When we act that out, that's discrimination on the prejudice that we have inside. And so Jesus is getting to the point uh, in the murder part. He says, you've heard it, that if you commit murder, he says, no, if you hate a person in your heart, and that's what separates us. We've talked about before, the difference between manslaughter and first-degree capital murder is that it's premeditated. And so the importance of God, how are you working in our mind? And again, the call back to don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when your pastor or when your friends or young people, when your parents are encouraging you to be a part of a community of believers, you need that, not just on Easter and Christmas, but you need that weekly so that your mind, how you think about life, how you think about people, and importantly, how you think about God is huge. And that's why growing in Jesus. That's why things like discipleship, it's not just kind of a blah, blah, or yakety yak, don't talk back. This is for the health of your soul. And that's one of the the very key things in this beautiful walk that Jesus gives us that we don't deserve. All right. It's mid-afternoon with Miles Arnold and Maxwell. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back. 
We're back with the mid-afternoon mix with Miles Arnold Maxwell, Pastor David Miles in studio. Mondays, he's here on a regular basis, and we love it. We're talking about forgiveness today, and during the break, David said, now do you want the freaky part? <laughs> but, hmm, okay. Well, Sounds good to me. You know, as, as, as Matthew had noted, he said, this message is going to be hard, and then he, 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 he's right. And, but he says this, he says, when we reflect love for our enemy, we're reflecting the heart of God the Father. And you see that in the Matthew passage where um, it says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. And, you know, in some of these con- in, in some of these considerations, Matthew's like, it's about reflecting the values of the kingdom of the king. And Jesus is raising the bar. And so, and he says, like, look, this is this is hard. And, and, and Matthew illustrates how hard it is. And he, he noted recently, he goes, we had a, a national um, prayer breakfast. And one of the revered figures uh, in the community stood up before those 4,000 members of people from um, you know, from ministry and from politics and all these various passages. And he read this passage about, you know, forgiving. I say that you're to love your enemies. And and he noted, he said, and afterwards the president got up and he just said, you know, I, what you said, I disagree with you. And he's like, and what I'm about to say is gonna, you're not going to like what I said. And he just said, but he says, it's hard. And, and the president's right. It is hard for us, you know. And that was just days after, you know, the vote. And here's this 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 minister of the gospel with the president on one side and the speaker house on the other. And it's and he's trying to say, here's the values of God's value. And that moment shows that it's hard. But we don't have to be those two people. We can just go to Christmas. <laughs> you know, you could just go spend uh, family times uh in, in any particular holiday, and as a good friend of mine um, who was captain of police force back in Ohio said, he said, David, during the holidays, the happy holidays weren't always necessarily happy. He goes, our domestic calls would go up and out of the roof. So we don't need to go, you know, looking uh, to Facebook or Instagram or online. We can just go to the mirror and take a look and understand that loving those who have done us wrong, that that's... That's hard. If, if we're to be perfectly honest, that can be um, hard work. And, um, you know, again, I just, I think, you know, next time we're going to have and something like this, we're going to have Matthew come and share because it, it was, it just was, I mean, I hope you guys are, are enjoying this as much as I, I did because it, it was rich because beautifully he stepped into this autopsy on hate. Mm. You know, and he's like, just like you said earlier about being being a doctor and just just talked about our tendency to hide behind our social media um, persona and circles and communicate hate that we, we can hide behind. Um, you know, we he called it keyboard commandos. Um, we I call it sometimes keyboard courage, like some people would get liquor courage, you know, mm-hmm. back in college days or something. If they drank too much, all of a sudden they find somebody like, I want to fight you. It's like, okay, you have drank too much and your friends need to help you. Mm-hmm. But that people can get very keyboardish and they'll say some things to someone across the keyboard that they would never, never dream of saying to their face. And that often we end up peddling gossip. We end up peddling slander. And um, the next thing he says, 
besides hide is that we hire voices to go into the public and spew our hates for us. So we purchase a person to spew the hate. We wouldn't have the influence or the, the, the platform. So we hire talking heads to turn to. You know, we hire talking heads by, by paying for, for the cable so that we can listen to those talking heads or we listen to them and they, they spew out hatred. And it's like, and we're sitting there and, and agreeing or, or going along with what's being said. And the, the third one is that we hurl our hate with those that we have proximity. These are people now that are close to us. And uh, I think all of us were, like Pastor Matthew brought up road rage. You know, that's kind of like when someone brings up like, you know, you know, you know, obey the laws and stuff. And someone's like, what about speeding? <laughs> Talk about a fast subject change in a Bible study. Yeah, I'm just kidding. It's like, ooh, someone, extra cookies, please. <laughs> but he just talked about road rage and how we can just be, we might, the person might not hear our obscenities, but God the Father, uh, he hears all things. And um, and that one, and then the last one was we hold on to our hate within, and we let it fester. And he started meddling a lot because he's like, you know, we're good Minnesotans, you know, so we we know how to do Minnesota nice. We know how to, we know how to have frozen rage, and we we hold it in, um, and that it comes out in in other ways. Um, but he just said, you know, look. Uh, this is the reality of hate and that this message of being called to love people uh, is a, it's a hard message. And, um, and then he goes on to talk about his own experience because as a pastor, yeah, you know, you get, you get, you get all sorts of interesting things. And after a period of time doing it, people don't like you. And so sometimes it's like people can get in line with the line that you don't even know exists of other people who don't like you for whatever reason. But I love how he addressed how he handled, how he handles this whole thing. And he just said, he, he led the congregation in saying, pray, bless, and forgive. You know, how Jesus prayed for people. He still blessed them, and he forgave them. And he said, in praying, blessing, and forgiving, it, it eventually leads you uh, to love. So um, it was beautiful. Rebecca? Question on uh, how we live this out in light of Romans 12. We were talking a little bit about that. Um, Romans 12, particularly verse 9, says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. So how do we do that? How do we hate what is evil, cling to what is good, in light of loving our enemies and not hating them? Well, you know, that's a great question. And it's sometimes making sure that we're hating what's really that that needs to be hate that's mm-hmm. bad. You know, um, one person once wrote, one person once said, you know that you've created God in your own image when he likes all the people that you do, believes all the things that you believe and hates all the people that you hate. So sometimes we can construe things and start making God into our own image. And I think last time when we, when we talked, I think we were talking about adversity or something else and differentiating between righteous anger and unrighteous anger. When we see people being trafficked in, when we see kids being abused, there's a rightness to the anger of that. When we see immigrant people being mistreated, when we see Christians being persecuted, you know, when we see 
um, people being defrauded, you know, when we see people being, you know, their lives being um, valued as nothing, that that's that's a right type of, of anger and versus sometimes what we consider an infringement upon us. And then we're like, whoa, you know, so one needing to be in God's word to understand the difference between it and saying, God, guide and direct my heart and what that truly looks like. Fantastic. David, always fun to have you here. And I want to let all of our listeners know that you are the very best when it comes to if you hear something on Faith Radio that you find in conflict with what you believe or you want clarification on something. Yeah. When they write, they are so polite, kind, gentle. Loving. Loving. It's fantastic. I never feel attacked. Well, Bill, Uh, we want, listen, we want you, as my pastor in Chicago used to say, we want you to be the people of Berean. Yeah, right. Who are studying the scriptures. And if there's something that's not, you know, you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't, oh, please contact us. Because, you know, only Jesus is sinless. There is no openings in the Trinity. We're neither one or two. So all of us need to walk this journey in Christ. All right. Mid-afternoon's mix with Miles Arnold Maxwell. Thanks for uh, being here, David. Coming up next, Dr. Mark Moscow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.